We were trying to serve this larger story as we were careening toward the actual millennium. It was bizarre that it didn't get to the actual millennium, but we felt we had to deliver some kind of order, at least avoiding breakdown and chaos. End times, like let's examine that. What is that? What is the human race at the end of its time? Who are we? Those questions don't go out of style. We've been asking them since Greek tragedies first started. We were dealing with human monsters on, on millennium. It was scary, but for the, all the best possible reasons. Frank is a real hero and he's trying to protect all of us from the darkness that he sees inside of himself. And that paradox and that dichotomy that I think makes the character interesting. There was an integrity in Millennium, and now 20 years later, we're seeing all the more reason to have integrity. I want to see Frank in our, in our political landscape and how he would be dealing with all the crazy right now. I think Chris has the ability, like Rod Serling, to tap into these deep questions that we all have. I just thought it would be interesting to do a, a tortured FBI agent who saw evil. Chris trying to come up with the darkest, scariest thing that he's really afraid of in real life. And I think we all are. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3. I see what the killer see. Millennium really had something powerful to say about the world we live in. Millennium After the Millennium is available now at thetimeisnowmm.com. This is who we are. There's a speed limit in this state, Mr. Neff. 45 miles an hour. How fast was I going, officer? I'd say around 90. But what about us? Memories. You're talking about memories. Good, I have a drink. I don't want anything of his or any part of it. Except his life. I wonder if I know what you mean. I wonder if you want that. Played it for her, played it for me. I lived a few weeks while she loved me. Waiting for a lady. Someday you'll understand that. Got some news that's gonna take a lot of attention off you and Laura. Stop it, yes, I can't take any more of it! I shouldn't be in uniform. You know the story? What story? Maybe because he was drunk. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. Well, I'll give you the message. But there is sleep all over America. Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo-noirs of today. Each week, we will deliver a discussion and analysis of classic and neo-noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Carly Street and Jason D. Morris. Hopefully it doesn't freeze on us again. <laughs> I mean, you did go a little bit jigsawry for a second. Yeah, I'm curious what that would have sounded like. <laughs> I wish you could have heard it. It was it was great. <laughs> I can't think of anything that he actually says. Oh, does he say want to play a game? Is that his thing? Yeah. If you'd have said that, I'd have played a game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they need to do one of those like uh, scary movie spoofs and do jigsaw <laughs> because it's been a while. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be great. Instead of him yeah. on a bicycle, it would be the kid out the shining. Right. Oh, so Carly, you're not feeling well today, huh? No. I'm sorry. Hopefully, this uh, this episode will cheer you up because it's all about bad women doing bad things, and uh, you know, maybe you're not one of them, but (laughs) maybe you are. Maybe I am. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I feel unwell because I was up all night murdering somebody. 
Yeah, maybe. You never know. Look out, Street. Look out. <laughs> this whole – I know we haven't announced what movie we're doing yet, but this whole movie, like the entire time I'm like, run, run as fast as you can. <laughs> Get away. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it's got its moments. It's interesting. <clears throat> but uh, I don't know. You ever been to a racetrack? Yeah, a horse track? Not 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 a race, not not a car. I know you've done oh. that, but have you been to a horse horse track? No. Do you guys have those out there? You must have those out there, right? Yeah. You guys love horses. Yeah. Okay. You never been to one? No. Do you know oh, what we were supposed to go in in the year that time forgot, two thousand twenty? We actually <laughs> we're gonna go to one of those um, and drink champagne like them posh people with big hats, but. That went out the window. Oh, stop it. You guys are more posh than anybody I know. You're always really? drinking. <laughs> well, <that's... laughs> I think of you guys. I'm thinking of the family from uh, Knives Out. Oh. Yeah, sitting in your beautiful house and drinking alcohol all day. Yeah, I would like that. Yeah, that's the streets. That's the that, streets. That would be nice. <laughs> Actually, you should probably watch Shameless and see the... People on the oh, shameless! Today, who just couple together two peas for beer and then high five? Who's going? <laughs> and That's then true, yeah. That show's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get into tonight's drink. Um, because of this movie and because of a particular scene in this movie, I picked this drink because uh, it, it goes along with it. Um, this drink also is in uh, another film. Um, which I, I adore, uh, called In a Lonely Place. But um, we're going to use it for this one uh, because our characters do go to the horse track <clears throat> in this film. And this drink is called <clears throat> The Horse's Neck. Right? And with a horse's neck, which I have no idea where they get this name from. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But... The horse's neck is, and maybe you'll like this. I don't know. Uh, are you a brandy fan? I know you love gin, but are you a brandy fan? Yeah, I don't mind brandy. Okay, I like brandy a lot. I think it's pretty good. Um, like straight. I don't. I don't know about mixing, but uh, we'll find out here. <laughs> so this one is an ounce and a half of brandy, which is you know decently strong, right? Uh, four ounces of ginger ale. A dash of Angostura bitters uh, and a lemon twist, which I guess the twist is the horse's neck. I'm not really sure. Um, you don't like lemon twists? Is that your thing? Lemon twist? No? I don't know. I just had some lemon and some water and I kind of went halfway through. Well, I think like the twist is just the peel. It's just, you know, where you, you shave off a piece of the peel and maybe you just twist it on top or just give it a little squeeze to top it off and then you know drop the peel in the glass or off the edge but oh, so anyway like it about in your glass i don't think i'd like it floating well you can it's just a garnishment you know it's just you know like a bloody mary has all like a fucking salad inside of it <laughs> it's just a garnishment <laughs> i don't understand that one but <laughs> you might as well just have that as a meal right it's quite, it's quite literally liquid lunch yeah, I mean they're they're pretty hearty uh, drinks. <laughs> Have one or two of those, and you're you're full. Um, 
But I guess it's one of the drinks that are better for you. I mean, you're getting all kinds of vegetable servings, I guess. <laughs> all right. Well, the horse's neck, uh, you add ice to a highball glass, add angostura bitters, brandy, and ginger ale. You stir gently and garnish with a long lemon twist and serve. So it's pretty simple. Um, and yeah, so that little lemon twist is just some peel that you hang off the side of the glass, make it look pretty, I guess. Um, and uh, I think in a lonely place, it was just, uh, instead of ginger ale, it was just um, uh, seltzer or something like that. Uh, not terribly sure. But uh, I mean, I don't know, this is a drink that I would drink. I like uh, ginger ale. Usually we'll drink ginger ale with uh, vodka. Do you use that at all? I quite like ginger ale. But, um, what did I have it with? I think it was rum. With rum? Interesting. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I think it was ginger ale and rum. Huh. Yeah, I usually put it with vodka because vodka is, you know, it, it doesn't really have much of a taste to it other than metal. <laughs> but I like vodka. It's the I only alcohol that I do not drink. Really? Why? That's interesting. Oh most of the, most people, that's the one alcohol they can drink. That's like the easiest. No, I can't. I cannot. I cannot have vodka. I haven't had it for like about how long have I been married? God, yeah. Is it just oh. the taste, or does it turn you into a mad woman? It sends me fucking off my nut. I would have a fight with a table leg because it looked at me funny. <laughs> Honestly, there's something about vodka that it doesn't even matter how much it is. I could have a sip and I could have like a bottle and it would still have the same effects. It just makes me <laughs> just <laughs> fucking fruit loopy. Interesting. Like said, so literally, you... I could have a, a vodka and coke and then five minutes later you could go, would you like another vodka and coke? What the fuck are you talking about when I like a vodka and coke? <laughs> Oh my goodness. So so vodka is like your version of tequila for me. Yeah. It's like uh, my old yeah. <laughs> Well, we hope you guys at home enjoy your horse's neck. Uh, drink along with us and enjoy this trailer for Blonde Ice. Because there isn't going to be any follow-up. 
Can you give me a good reason for Hanneman killing himself? No, I can't. Perhaps he thought he had a good reason. Police are over there now. Murdoch said he'd stop by here later. You sure it was suicide? Fairly sure. A man in Hanneman's position, a beautiful wife, and all that money? He'll get it. He didn't happen to. I found him from Los Angeles. How come? Well, I was arriving late and alone. I knew Les would pick me up. Do you have any theory as to why your husband came to San Francisco after telling you he was going to New York? No. I didn't know anything about the business. The gun, of course, was Hanneman's. We checked the serial number. Claire, you... You're crazy. I... Wait, wait. That's being foolish. You make everything add up to spell Claire, don't you? But I have too much respect for money to throw it away on horses. Don't you know what those words meant in there? <laughs> Let no man put asunder. No one can put us asunder less, you and me. Oh, I never could figure you out. I'll be right in. I just want to say my goodbyes to a few of the gang. All right, hurry. Still carrying the torch for Claire, huh? Not anymore. But somebody sure fixed it in a hurry for you to get Claire again. Which, of course, I forgot to load up the trailer. <laughs> so I'll have to do this in post anyway. Alright. Um, <laughs> that's lame. Alright, so I'm going to bring in the, uh, the after trailer music <laughs> with no trailer. <laughs> Here we go. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> well, we hope you guys enjoyed the uh, trailer for Blonde Ice. It's a 1948 crime film noir. Uh, it was released in July 24th, 1948. It was directed by Jack Bernhard. Um, and the film was originally released as a B-movie, which I, I think it was only released once, with the exception of being re-released in 2003 after it had already been forgotten about. Um, so it was, it was a low-budget uh film noir um and at the time that it came out it was sort of disregarded and you know wasn't a whole lot of fanfare regarding the movie and it just disappeared um but the film stars leslie brooks as claire cummings uh hanneman she has so many names in this film it's hard to keep up so i guess they bill her as claire cummings hanneman <laughs> and there's actually a pretty good joke in the film about that but <laughs> <laughs> Robert Page is Les Burns, which I actually enjoyed Les pretty well. Uh, and Michael Whalen is Stanley Mason. Um, the film is based on a 1938 novel uh, called Once Too Often, <laughs> which is appropriate. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right? By Elwin Whitman. Cham oh, he's got three names too. Elwin Whitman Chambers. <laughs> wow. But yeah, um, by inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carly, I think maybe uh, you can give us your in a nutshell uh, synopsis here. What do you think? Okay, I'm ready. All right, here we go. 
And now it's time for Carly's super famous in a nutshell synopsis. Oh God. I feel like I'm doing like bedtime stories when that music comes on. <laughs> <laughs> it's dramatic piano, not bedtime piano. <laughs> hey, it could be it could be dramatic bedtime piano. You don't know. It could, it could be. be a sad story. <laughs> it's making me cry. Go ahead. <laughs> I've not even started. So. <laughs> A murder-happy, loosely-turned reporter with an icy exterior sets about single-handedly eliminating the entire male population. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (sighs) That's, yeah, I mean, um, she's, uh, she is the exterminator. (laughs) She is, she is. They are in danger. Yeah, I would say the Terminator, but she's not quite uh, resilient. <laughs> no. But uh, she is an exterminator. She does, she has a mission. She's got a goal. She is purposely just wading through men to to get to that goal. And I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, having ambition. Um, and I believe that the... Um, uh, the gentleman that plays the psychiatrist in the film, uh, you know, kind of alluded alluded to oh, that fact that you know, there's nothing. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing wrong with what your ambitions are. It's just basically how you go about them. <laughs> yeah, don't, as in don't murder everybody. Right. <laughs> and it's funny because every it's almost like everybody in this movie knows knows that she's killing these people or you know at least she's she's so bad that you know she has the potential or you know to to do this sort of thing <laughs> it's they're still hanging around her though they're still taking her out to dinner they're still falling in love with her they're still employing her <laughs> it's just Even like what the fuck is wrong with you ever, ever she was behind her desk w- once they kept going, oh, she's a reporter, she's a columnist, she's this, she's that. She wants. She typed one thing, and that was a confession. <laughs> right. how, how did she, A, get her job back, and B, why do they pay her? She's murdering people. I mean, <laughs> right. she, put the, she put the one guy who actually does his job in jail. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> She has got her shit worked out. She's got it down, man. She has. You can literally see her manipulating him. Like, he's just like, oh, whatever. Yeah, have your job. But screw Janice. She's going to have to get a new one. Yeah. (laughs) I felt bad for uh, the secretary um, because obviously she's fallen for less or at least cares about him deeply. And it's just kind of like in that situation where she knows that he's got eyes for her only. And she's just like, well, shit. nothing you can do about it you know but uh you know i was thinking uh as i'm watching this film should have been called black widow or something like that instead of blonde ice like um i think that would have been far more appropriate i think there's already a black widow obviously but um i don't know why i said obviously maybe it's not obvious but there is (laughs) not the comic book character but i believe there's a film noir that's called black widow there might actually be an 80s horror film too but i thought that would have been far more appropriate this should have been it yeah right (laughs) Let's face it, like you start out with this movie and it's it's 
kind of interesting that you start out at this wedding and you have these male, uh, you know, guests that are in this little squabble about being in love with her. And it's like, you guys are already off the fucking table. <laughs> Like, there's yeah, no point. There's no point. Yeah, there's just no point in being bitter about it. Just let it go, right? But I guess she's got her hooks in them that bad that these guys can't let her go. And they're like, and I love the one dude showing off his cigarette case with the, uh, you know, the little inscription on it. And then later on seeing Les open his with the same inscription. I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, her cigarette case, right? Just tosses it across the balcony, which fair enough. Poor Les. Take the bloody cigarette first <laughs> right that's what i would have done too that shit would have definitely got cut, tossed though <laughs> yeah oh yeah but the cigarettes were coming out first then throw it through the window that's what i would have done yes and uh shawnee's watching with me and uh she's like men are not that catty and i'm like yeah well you know they are <laughs> it's just in my mind because i'm a male i'm just like it's just usually because they actually really care about her and women are catty and they don't actually care about the guy. It's just they like playing that game. And I mean that I wasn't really I hadn't watched the movie yet at that point, but that's exactly what it is for her. She's just playing this game to try to get what she wants. She doesn't care about any of these guys, you know, and all of them are falling for her. And they're, they're catty because, you know, they they are really in love with her and the one reporter is really the only guy that's got any fucking sense in his head that he's like obviously he still cares about her but he's like he knows she's bad news and she he knows that he's using every, she's using everybody and so he's the only one that really stands apart even though he uh introduces her <laughs> to the yeah. up-and-coming senator or whatever he was going to be um <laughs> i'm just like <laughs> I feel like he's just like, it's not because he's infatuated with her, though. I think it's like, I want to see where this goes. She's going to get herself into more trouble. This guy's going to fall for her and fall apart. And I think he just wanted to kind of see it play out. Yeah, I think he did that for, for his own, because at that point, he was the only person that believed that she probably just murdered her husband. So I think right. he was setting her up because let's yeah yeah no reason wouldn't let i don't i don't know if it's necessarily setting her up to be to to like i don't know be arrested or to murder or any of that kind of stuff i feel like it was more of like a uh personal enjoyment of just sort of watching this play out again the same thing that happened to him um and he watches it play out with less because he introduces her to less and then she's asking for another introduction and he does that again it's almost like he's just like finally realizing the sequence of events <laughs> and it's just i feel like he's almost enjoying the 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 realization the epiphany of it all and like how stupid he was before and how blatantly obvious it is now yeah because the pattern did you know did you see the pattern of just it's exactly the same thing happened she basically is either marrying a man or on the verge of marrying a man then she runs off to les gives him a little cuddle then the husband or fiance finds out and gets really mad at les who just disappears and then she kills him mm -hmm. and then it happens again yeah <laughs> someone else and then she's gonna marry them and then she hugs les <laughs> and then murder yeah and, and you know it's not to get i don't know a lot about psychology but 
I've had one class in high school, but it, it, th- that is a sort of pattern. That's a real thing that people do, particularly um, with infidelity or cheating with people. She's kind of a serial killer. Well, yeah, she's she's a she's she is she's a serial heartbreaker, <laughs> and then and then for whatever reason, I, I still am not convinced that she needed to kill the husband that she marries in the beginning. Oh, call. Yeah, I'm I'm completely unfor- unconvinced that she even needed to do that. Like, why? She just hopped from man to man anyways. You know, it's not like Les wasn't going to be waiting for her anyhow. (laughs) You know, I guess she wanted the inheritance. I mean, that would have been the only thing, the million bucks. I think she was doing it for money. Yeah, but I mean, look where she was headed anyways. Had she not done that. She still could have ended up with the uh, the guy that was becoming uh, again. I think it was a senator or something like that. You know, she still could have ended up with him without you know, having to end up dying in the end. But I, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things almost like, uh, uh, when we watched, uh, the man who wasn't there, just some of the murder just seems senseless and un- unreasonable. Like it didn't need to happen. And I, I just felt like she would have been better off had she just not, not done that. And then, and then like the whole idea of flying to San Francisco and back. Yeah. And, and there's so many, there's just so many possible issues. <laughs> You just can't let Les have a nice little cocktail party with the nice little secretary that's been in love with him for God knows how many years. She just can't let Les have a day off, basically. Yes. Logged off to get married. <laughs> Poor man. And then she's back on the phone. Oh, you picked me up. Oh, will you get me a ticket. <laughs> oh, oh, I've just made a be husband. Can we be friends? Yeah. Poor Les. <laughs> <laughs> and she's not, she, you know, as manipulative as she is, uh, she's not bright because how do you, how do you do something like that and leave the weapon there with no fingerprints on it? And, and, and maybe that's because, you know, in the, the forties fingerprinting was fairly new, uh, at least it, it had been around for a while. I believe since the early 1900s, it was discovered, but police didn't really start using it. I think until, maybe the thirties or forties or something like that. So maybe it was just something that was too new to people that they just didn't think about it. But like in today's age, that would be something that would be an obvious, uh, I'm going to get caught kind of thing, or, uh, they're not going to believe this is suicide. You know, it just didn't make sense. Well, they do mention it because she specifically says when she, um, fits Les up, all oh, the police have got his fingerprints on the knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, after, yeah. after she had already, you know, messed up with the first murder. Yeah. You know, so she, she brightened up, but it took her, it took her another murder to do so. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, She's perfecting her process. <laughs> so, Hey Carly, why don't we take a break and listen to an ad from one of our sponsors. senseless murder that that didn't make any sense why why did she kill him she wasn't married to him she wasn't going to inherit anything it was just it was senseless it made no no sense whatever it was just a potential of getting caught she obviously psychotic in some way well she Um, did look a little bit unhinged as she got towards the end and started when les started sort of moving away from her a little bit she did look a little bit like she was on the edge of 
throw him out of a window. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. She definitely had those moments where she looked very scary, um, and I yeah, I would be worried. But uh, unless it's just like now, she's fine. She's fine. I love her. It's just, it's just like, <laughs> that poor man. That poor man. He's hooked. Oh boy. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, she she was pretty vindictive, you know. And, and it's funny because you you think just at the beginning maybe she's just you know uh, for lack of a better word just gold digging, you know, looking for for money. Which ultimately that's that's her goal, and it's not it's never enough. No matter what she has, it's just never enough. But it was a it was a great scene that um, when they were at the the racetrack. Uh, at the horse track and she bets she has no regard for money or the value of money. She's never really had to earn it, uh, so to speak, but she bets like a hundred bucks, which is a lot of money for the time. And obviously she wins. So she thinks everything's fine and she's sort of put in her place, which I enjoyed because it's like, he's like, I have respect for money because I worked hard to earn it. It's not that he's greedy. No. It's it's just that he's he's grown respectful of it because he knows what it means and how hard it is to to come by. Come by. And she's taking chances with it even though she won. It's not the point. It's that you might not have won. You're out that 100 bucks which you didn't even earn. And and her wanting to bet again and he's just like are you nuts? That that's ridiculous, you know. I did like it as well when he tosses her out. And he's like, oh, you've got the money from the racetrack. So live on that, love. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. And she spends it all. I like that. I like Carl. Yeah, he was great. He really was. I was I was disappointed that he gets, you know, off that quickly. Um, but, I mean, you know, it was on her list, I guess. <laughs> no, that's it. He told yeah. her no, so that was it. He was a goner straight away. Yeah, you can't tell women like that no. <laughs> you really can't. And he was clever, like when he had that letter and he was like, don't worry, I've got this. You'll be out on your ass. Don't worry about me. <laughs> yeah. And I thought as soon as he put that letter in his pocket, he's gone. That's it. His card's marked. <laughs> yeah, I was actually really surprised about that because I, I don't know how things are for you guys over in the UK. It's not that way everywhere here in the United States. But California is one of those community property states where um, if you marry somebody, unless you have um, – a prenuptial agreement, everything that you marry into, you guys are 50, 50. Um, so like if you and street were married and one of you guys owned a house, now you both are 50% partners on it and you get divorced, you would have to sell it and each take 50% of what you, know, you got out of it. Um, and I was curious because it really like marriage and all that didn't seem, it seemed far more important when we get to the fifties. I, I think, I'm not, I'm not certain, but, um, it seemed like after the war and things like that stuff was a little different. And then in the fifties, it became, um, a very important sort of, um, part of society in America. And I thought that's kind of when all of those sort of marriage laws started coming into effect because, uh, I think maybe it was like, um, the sort of uprising of women in the 50s and 60s uprising um, makes it sound like an army well no i I don't know what else what do you call it like you know there and i'm not saying it's bad it's great but um 
of them, you know, wanting rights, wanting what they should have had anyways. Um, and then, you know, a lot of divorces started happening because certain men felt like they should just stay at home and do chores and, and they were the breadwinners sort of thing. And they didn't like that. So then people were getting divorced. And I figured that was sort of the time period where those laws and ideas started coming into effect. So I was really surprised to hear that this early on, uh, you know, like even in the late forties that that was, that was a thing like community property or, or whatnot. And I wonder when that actually came about. Do you guys have that sort of thing out there in England or how does that work? Um, I'm not too sure to be honest how it works. Cause I've never really looked into oh. it. <laughs> Street's not going anywhere. Sure. <laughs> Whether he wants to or, or he might reason. end up dead. <laughs> yeah, he signed that document in the registry office ten years ago, and that's that. <laughs> <laughs> How long has it been? Eleven years ago. Eleven. Okay. Cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. We're going. We're on a uh, uh, sixteen. Wow. So yeah, nice. Well, yeah, I, I suppose if he's still around, he's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> but the letter that he did find that that that's a like out here, that's a real thing because if you do get married and you can prove that your spouse was cheating or or whatnot, then um, they don't get half. If you could, if you could justify the divorce or whatnot, and I guess in in Chinatown that was also so it's kind of their fault then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe it was two, two Jakes. That was, that was also sort of a plot point, right? Um, like the whole idea of spying on the married couple, catching them cheating, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that law has been around for a while. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, that's like one of those things where it's like becomes pointless to like to murder. Like why, you know, I don't know, especially the senator guy. Like, there was no, there's real no, no point to do it other than she is just off a rock. She, yeah, she died a little bit of vodka, I reckon. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, and maybe that was the point. They, they really wanted to like push it over the edge and make her crazy. Yeah, you know. I mean, we already knew she was crazy, but that was, you know, that would solidify it <clears throat> for sure. <clears throat> but. um yeah, um, I felt this was a, a fairly short movie at 74 minutes, but it didn't feel short to me, did it to you? No, it didn't. I looked at the running time and thought, oh. But yeah, it didn't... I don't know if it was because, even though it's low budget, it wasn't really one location. There was, there seemed to be a few places and locations. So That's exactly what I was thinking, yeah. They, they kept the scenery changing, yeah. Yeah, so it didn't make it feel short because it seemed like... Like they were always out somewhere. They were in the car, in a restaurant, getting married, getting murdered, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> or at the newspaper office. There's quite a few places that, yeah. that went. Yeah. Where did they go on their honeymoon? I, I didn't catch the, like the location. I have no idea. Because he said he was going to. Well, she said that he said he was going back to New York. When uh-huh. in actual fact, but he, he really went to San Francisco. Francisco. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Oh, hold on. Did she get the plane? Maybe Hawaii. No, didn't she get the plane from LA? Didn't he arrange the plane from LA at eight o'clock in the evening from LA or something like that? No, I don't know. Maybe. But I guess wherever she would fly into, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not sure. Good question. 
Uh, what'd you think of the cast in this movie? I like Les. Yeah, me brilliant. too. He's likable. I really yeah. like the woman as well, though, because she was just evil. She was like a good Leslie Burst. Yeah. I tried to look. She reminds me of Virginia Madsen. Oh, do you know who Virginia Madsen is? Yeah. She totally reminds me of her. Um, Just like her look and style. So, yeah, anyway, like I was saying, uh, this movie just seemed like it was in the theater. It was a low budget movie that came out and it just like disappeared and nobody remembered it for a long time. And I had read apparently um, there's a. There are people that collect films and um, back in the day um, to get a hold of like a 35 millimeter print was hard to do, Uh, but there were ways to do it, I guess. And that's how collectors would collect films, Um, you know, at least for Hollywood films, you know, uh, it was hard to get a hold of. Um, And so they, they wouldn't let you easily get a hold of those for fear of pirating even back then. Um, cause I guess people would make copies, um, and pass them around or whatnot, but there was, there were serious collectors and archivers around that just had an appreciation for film that would collect them. And they had their ways of getting stuff just like, you know, people do today. Um, so not much has, has changed in the whole pirating front other than the technology. Um, and I found that more interesting than anything else about this film is that that's how this film ended up getting resurrected again in 2003 is because this one particular person um, had a copy of it that he came across um, and he restored it and found a distributor and had it released again. And uh, I guess there were bonus features and and things like that. So it kind of bred new life into it as uh, for a film that probably would have never, ever seen the light of day again. That's such a shame because I think it's so interesting to have like a murderous, nasty woman that's more dangerous than the men, sort of like front and center in the 40s in a film like that. Yeah, it's it took it sort of escalated the the femme fatale and instead of just making her manipulative, she's a manipulative and also a, a hardcore murderer. Yeah, she's dangerous. Right. Um, so that, that was an interesting sort of aspect to it. But again, you know, I guess budget constraints and things like that kind of, you know, ended up being one of those like thrillers from the 80s or 90s that just sort of would come out at the theater for like a week and disappear and nobody's ever heard of or remembers them again, you know, sort of thing. You know, it ended up being a pretty decent movie. And I guess somebody saw saw that in it and had it restored. I think it was just the ending that let it down, really. Did you did you get like did you like the ending? I, I kind of at some point you sort of feel like where else could it possibly go? You know, like if it if it happened any other way, I just don't. I mean, the only thing that I thought was a little strange about it is that she just she's already confessing. You know, like I felt like the the psychologist guy he didn't they they made this sort of like football huddle thing where he was going to lay out some kind of plan which we don't hear as the audience but then there really wasn't much of a plan he just goes in and talks to her i mean these guys are the real heroes of like the police force because if you remember it was a doctor that completely unraveled humphrey bogart in conflict and here we are <laughs> right. this little doctor that spoiled the wedding plans <laughs> and now has made her somehow confess <laughs> Before he started speaking to her. Yeah, and that is exactly what I thought about was the Bogart movie, um, because those are the really the only two films 
film noirs that I recall using a psychologist, you know, in that sort of way or at all, actually. Um, so I felt that pretty interesting. Um, but uh, he didn't. It, I don't feel like he did anything. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like they set it up where he was going to do some Columbo sort of trickery on her to get her to confess. But really, all he did was like, you did it. You know, you did it. And I know it. And I'm going to prove it. And that's it. That's like all he did. He just said the yeah. basic things that everybody else says. And she's like, ha, ha, ha. I already wrote my confession. <laughs> just I know, like, yeah. In your face. why would you do that? <laughs> Yeah. I, I, read yeah. a, I read a review and somebody <laughs> made me laugh. Somebody said they loved it up until the ending when they decided to randomly Perry Mason style confess with absolutely no evidence and no chance of going to prison whatsoever. <laughs> I was like, yeah. That is a bit Perry Mason talent. Yeah, and I, I think maybe it's just they're trying to show she's got her own conscious um, and and – you know, she's not all bad, maybe. I, I'm not really sure. Oh, because she didn't, because she did go blood. Yeah. I mean, it, it. otherwise, I just feel like, I feel like that was the point they were trying to show. Well, Les has got his secretary friend, so don't worry. <laughs> right. When <laughs> <laughs> you get out of jail. <laughs> I mean, other than that, I just don't, I don't know why they, they did it that way. But um, I, I it ultimately, I felt like they're, you know, regardless of how they did it, which didn't make a whole lot of sense. I figured, I felt like that was, you know, she was going to get caught or she was going to get killed anyway. Like there was, I didn't think she was going to get away scot-free. Oh, I don't think you can wow. go through an entire movie like that of this person doing all these horrible things and then just get away with it. Um that's that's too modern I, I would think yeah uh, even for like a film noir um, there needed to be somebody either less and her were gonna die or less ends up killing her or some something was gonna happen that ends her streak of, of issues and Mayhem. so I felt like there was no other yeah there was nothing else that, that could have happened somebody 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 was gonna kill her she was gonna get caught somehow now it wasn't great the way that they did it but I didn't think that um, there was any other way to really end it um, without her being caught or, or killed. <clears throat> and they did both. <laughs> yeah. And then Neil just walked away and left her dying on the floor in a pool of her own blood. Shut the, casually shut the door, like, let's go to lunch. She wasn't even that good of a reporter anyway. <laughs> I'll sweep that up later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> We'll just leave her in here. We'll, we'll, we'll call the cops, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, did they call the cops and they were like, oh, you were too late. <laughs> I mean, if I was a police <laughs> officer, I'd be like, you guys have clearly shot her to get Les out of jail. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Carly. Well, I guess it's time to uh, assign some numbers of gens to this, uh, to this film. Uh, how drunk are we going to get here? Do you know what? I think... I, th I think it was a bizarre little film, but I actually really liked it. I I found it was quite compelling. Yeah. So, and I didn't expect it because obviously with it being very, very old, that you do get the sort of static sound noise whenever anybody's not talking and the creaky and... But yeah, I really liked it. I think, uh, I think I'm going to get quite drunk on a nine out of ten holy crap yeah i know wait are we did we watch the same movie because this has a female lead and i know how much I you know. hate those i don't you see this is what's taken me by surprise wow 
Wow, I'm stunned. Yeah. I mean, this stuns me almost as much as your as your review for Chinatown. <laughs> like, I, like, I would never expected you to give this film a nine. I like to be shocking. Yeah, apparently. You're just as shocking as she is. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. No, that's, uh, wow, a nine. Yeah, I did, I did quite like it. I saw at the poster straight away, I thought, this is going to be shit. And then when she's getting married and you've got them men bickering, I thought this 100% is going to be shit. And then... After about ten more minutes, so I quite like this. I'm quite, I'm quite invested in Leslie's story and uh, whether she's going to get caught or if she's a murder tally. And then when I realised she was a serial killer, I was just <laughs> there. Now she only did kill two people, though, right? She did kill three, but she she changed a pattern of behaviour. But if she'd have had longer, she would have she would have done the same pattern. That's a serial killer, my friends. Yeah, so she is a serial killer. Les would have been next. Yeah, no, you're right. Actually, everybody except Les would have been dead. The man in the paper office for firing her for realising she's rubbish. <laughs> the policeman for realising that she is a murderous <laughs> lunatic. They'd be gone. They'd be dead. So you turn this into a slasher movie. <laughs> <laughs> maybe film noir's first serial killer? <laughs> huh? Quite possibly. I'd say maybe the first female... Uh, serial killer is sat right there in this film. Yeah, could be. Well, I'm not quite as generous. And in fact, it took me no less than four tries really? to get through this movie. You this yeah, attempt- the first three tries, I just fell asleep. I got, I was <laughs> within the first 15, 15 minutes, I fell asleep three times watching this movie. Oh. I've, I've seen the beginning of this film, the first, fe- first 15 minutes, four times. <laughs> Um, and the last time I watched it was Shawnee and I stayed awake through the whole thing. And she's like, it's not as bad as you said it was. And I'm like, yeah, it wasn't. I don't know why the beginning is so rough for me though. Like I, th- I thought the beginning was just terrible. Yeah. It is a bit, o- um, it is a bit odd. Yeah. I mean, it all makes sense and works really well if you watch the rest of the movie though. But I could see people tuning out in the first 15 minutes cause I did three times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I did end up liking it quite a bit more than I thought I was going to, um, just because it's so crazy. It's so off the wall. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, her motives and her intentions and everything are just kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's just a shame that there wasn't any like shadows and like imagery and stuff. But other than that, yeah, there really wasn't. It, it's it's played really straight and i'm sure that has to do with the budget you know they didn't there's not a whole lot of creative visuals or anything like that i don't know at times i just wanted to reach in the the tv and just strangle less and be like you know like i said every every time that she would get her hooks into a guy i'm like just run as fast as you can get out of there do not look at her do not speak to her just run <laughs> take all the men with you <laughs> grab every man every man for himself go yeah it's not gonna end well get out of here <laughs> yeah, especially when she's out and she starts like looking at like weapons and stuff did you notice that she was always eyeing up kind of like if there was a weapon or something heavy and i'm thinking shit just it's only gonna take one one wrong word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, she was nuts. But uh, yeah, so I, I did end up liking it quite a bit more than I thought I was going to. It took me several tries to get through the film, but I did not like it as much as you did. A nine is just nuts. Um, I give this movie a six. Wow. Um, six gens out of ten, and that's 
purely just because of its insanity and because of less. I thought the actor was great. I thought the character was great. Um, but there's so many things in this film that are just implausible, terribly motivated. I just, I don't know. I just, I, I couldn't get past certain things that just were obvious telltale signs that she's the killer and she's the bad person and the cops cops in this film are really dumb if they couldn't pin this on her yeah um it just seemed like there was too much too much to point to her unless they were in love with her as well like everybody else it was a bit like there's something about mary except if mary was a murderous psycho (laughs) right something about mary (laughs) (laughs) yeah There's something not right about Claire. <laughs> That's what it should have been called. That would have been a great title, yeah. yeah <laughs> that would have been there's great. There's really something wrong with Claire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know. I just There's just certain things. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's as good as it gets for me. Six. Six gens. Um would I watch it again? Maybe. I, I think if I found like a high quality copy, maybe one of those Blu-rays or something like that, I might would watch it again. Um, but I don't know that this is up on my list of ownership for films. Um, it was interesting enough once I got past the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes, but um, I don't know. It's got issues to me. That was disappointing. Oh. <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> you disappointed me with Chinatown, so. <laughs> well, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there's going to be a lot more disappointment in the future, so I'm not worried <laughs> <Yeah>. about it. <laughs> we should both get used to it, so. <laughs> That's all there is right. <laughs> Yeah. Carly, uh, it was great talking to you about this crazy little film. Um, it was fun. And uh, guys, I hope you enjoyed watching it or at least listening to us bitch about it or complain about it or love it in Carly's case. <laughs> Until next time. Bye-bye. He's looking at you, kid. Thanks for joining us this week on the Speakeasy Noircast. Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up and The Dark Side of Acting Up Volume 2, now available on Amazon. Or you can check out one of our films, also available on Amazon Prime. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Speakeasy Noircast.